Hello, everyone, and a very Merry Christmas. My name is Brennan Miller. That noisy hearing is by ventilator, and welcome to the Guest Awakened. Presented by Page Turners, they were not my Star Wars podcast. I'm very excited because returning to the show, it's one of my favorite guests we've ever had. It's my good friend, Dr. Megan McCurley. Hi, Megs. Hi, Brennan. Thank you so much for having me back. And I appreciate that you uh, consider me a favorite. That is uh, definitely a great compliment coming from you. I'm glad to give it. (laughs) Well, so we are going to be doing something fun today. It's that time of year again to talk about movies and shows that we enjoy watching at Christmas or our favorite Christmas movies. Uh, the reason I say they're two different things is because sometimes you like to watch movies at a certain time of year. Even though they might not be Christmas, but they certainly have come to be associated with that time of year. So uh, I'm excited to talk about that today. Well, thanks so much, Meg, for agreeing to appear. Absolutely. And I do appreciate the distinction between ones that we associate as Christmas movies versus ones that we may religiously or, you know, repeatedly watch during that Christmas season, which I definitely have. I definitely have a good distinction between those two when I think of movies from that time of year. Awesome. And as far as holidays are concerned, Christmas has produced some of probably has the best collection of movies associated with that holiday. Except maybe yes. Halloween might be a close second. Halloween definitely has a large category of films, um, but so many of them I think are niche, the particular type of people who enjoy those kind of films. Uh, Christmas tends to have Christmas does tend to have a little bit more of a the holiday season tends to be a big time for releasing films, but then also, yeah, you do have a little bit more of a diversity of the kind of films that get released associated with the holiday season. Good point. Good point. So we'll start with the ones that we like to watch at this time of year. So Megs, if you could give us what is one of your the films that you enjoy watching at this time of year? So I have an since being in college, I have a little bit of a different association with what we enjoy watching at the season because often when I would finish up a college semester, I would want to just veg out and would just go on a marathon of mm-hmm. a particular kind of film. So with you being a big Star Wars person, you know, watching through the Star Wars film was something that I would sometimes do during this time of year. Mm, um, good new J.J. Abrams Star Trek films sometimes I would get on a kick and I would want to watch those during that time of year. Good choice. Um, mm-hmm. Other ones we would watch uh, Lord of the Rings is a big one. Yes, yes. So In fact, watch... uh, I just watched Fellowship of the Ring today. Okay, awesome. Uh, Jurassic Park is another one. Kind of those like, main temple trilogies that you can just spend a couple days and just go through them back to back and just kind of take that time and veg. Or if you're really dedicated, you can try and watch them all in one day, but that makes for a really long day. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, I, I, I know that, um, well, especially because the Star Wars sequel trilogy and Rogue One were all released in December. Mm-hmm. 
So it makes them even more associated, I think, with this time of year. But definitely, I, I always throw a little Star Wars in on my Christmas time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I've also, I've done both ways. I've watched them in kind of the, the chronological order as far as when they were released, or mm -hmm. I've gone through, or I've gone publication order versus chronological order. I've done both. Um, mm -hmm. I won't, I can't say that I prefer one over the other. It's just how I'm feeling, or I'll just pick a trilogy to watch yeah. during the season. Yeah, no, it, it's good. And it's certainly fun to have those movies that at a certain time of year you go okay now i feel like it's time to watch these movies mm -hmm, absolutely and the jj abrams star trek films that's a good choice mm -hmm. yes that's fun. it yeah and i've recently gotten into some of the more original films but they haven't quite worked their way into the classics it's i pick and choose mm -hmm. which ones i've watched but the jj ones i definitely there were the more contemporary ones that I yeah. latched onto. Yeah. Yeah. I know for me, Lord of the Rings is definitely something I like to watch at Christmas. But in fact, in two days will be the 20th anniversary to the day of Return of the King. Oh, wow. Yes. Yep. That, December that is, 17, that 2003. Mm -hmm. So the Lord of the Rings films had come to be associated with Christmas in my mind. Um, yes. And because also another what, one when they were released, yeah. Yeah, another series that's also kind of synonymous with this time time of year. I think they were released closer to more like November time, but the Harry yeah. Potter series. Exactly. They're another one. Exactly. They're another one that if you're into those, uh, you can watch them. You know, over the course of you know a few days, a week, a couple weeks, depending on how much time you have. Sure. The nice thing about October to November being the holiday season is there are so many movies that we associate with with the three holidays, mm -hmm. uh, with uh, with Halloween, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. And, and some of them had, are even, I'll say, and some of them are even crossovers. Um, I they're not ones that I particularly care for, but there were there's recently been kind of a influx of. Christmas-themed films that have more of a thriller, almost horror vibe to them. That's so you almost true. have a crossover like of Night, those two. Violent yeah. Night and other movies like that. Mm -hmm. Not particularly my cup of tea, except maybe I, I do enjoy watching Die Hard at this time of year. It's true. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Die Hard is one of those that people will always, you know, kind of Dicker, okay, is this really a Christmas film? Uh, oh, Die yes. Hard's one. Uh, Gremlins is another one that gets associated as being yeah. a Christmas movie. Indeed. Um, I also enjoy watching, um, definitely enjoy watching the Harry Potter films in November or in December. Okay. Uh, because they another, definitely have a holiday feeling. Yes. Um, another one that I remembered thinking of that it does take place during the Christmas season is uh, Rocky IV. That's right. It does. That's absolutely right. Yes. That was one that when I was thinking through, okay, which ones take place during those holidays? Um, that was another one that I don't necessarily strictly watch during this season, but it is definitely one that can be worked into that rotation yeah. of, okay, this is this thing. I feel the same way that Edward Scissorhands. It takes place at Christmas. Okay. But it's not necessarily just a Christmas movie. Okay. Understood. Yeah. Yep. That's and, what I'm uh, at. Yeah. 
Um, now, so I guess that's kind of, unless you had any more you wanted to add to the movies you habitually watch this time of year. Um, so I have kind of a little bit more of the traditional ones that are kind of always in rotation. Um, one that actually we watch it the Sunday after Thanksgiving, because that is actually when it initially starts taking place. And that mm -hmm. is Christmas with the Cranks. Oh, okay. Okay. I, I have to admit, it, I have not seen that one. Okay. Tim Allen, Jamie Lee Curtis. It's a lot of fun. Um, yeah. It goes the Sunday after Thanksgiving and then goes up through up to Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. So kind of that time frame is when it's set in. So that's one that kind of kicks off our holiday season as far as holiday films that we would watch. Um, we're talking about ones that are a little bit more traditional. Um, Home Alone, one and two. Yes. I uh, usually usually get thrown in there. Um, Santa Claus, which is another Tim Allen series, just one yep. and two. Uh, the third one kind of goes off the rails yeah. <laughs> a little bit there. Um, and then, in my opinion, the only good version, The Muppet Christmas Carol. Yes. Amen to that. <laughs> there is that. And then um, kind of more classical short films that we usually always watch, and they're short, easy to get through, is the original How the Grinch Stole Christmas, which yes. started off as a TV movie. Mm -hmm. And then also kind of in that same vein, um, Charlie Brown's Christmas. Yes, very much so. So yeah, those are cool. kind of the, the classic ones that have always been part of my childhood when I think of, okay, what movies do we watch? At Christmas. Cool. So I guess I mean I don't really have any to add. Uh, those are great choices. So I think we can probably jump right into what are our favorite Christmas movies. And I'll let you begin as you're our guest. Okay. Um. So some ones besides kind of the ones that we kind of go through all the time. Some newer additions have actually been um. There's two short films. Um, well, I mean, they're, when you add all the extra stuff to it, they are their full films, but they are actually produced by the same people that do The Chosen, which from mm -hmm. my last episode, I really uh, kind of harped on that TV series. I love they it. Have, they have two films, The Shepherd and The Messenger, that are both centered on the time of the birth of Christ. And now, I'm, I think I'm a bad children fan because I have not watched either of those. Okay. Well, they did. Even though I've seen every episode of the show. Honestly, they're not necessarily specifically, they use a couple of the chosen characters actually in mm -hmm. Messengers. The Messengers features a couple of characters that are actually in the chosen contemporarily. Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of a flashback to that story. But then The Shepherd was actually the original short film that Dallas Jenkins did before even starting The Chosen. Oh, nice. So it was, so it was kind of the thing that kicked it all off. Um, and actually, as of... Uh, tomorrow of the day that we're recording this, I'm going to go and they're re-releasing a kind of mashup version right. of, yes. of putting the Chosen and the, or the Messengers and the Shepherds kind of mixing them together. Um, it's something that's kind of unique to the stories is they mix in um, performances of Christmas songs and monologues that kind of tell some of the Old Testament history of some mm -hmm. of aspects of the story so it's a it's more than just the film itself uh which aren't necessarily that long but they kind of expand it to make it more of a performance show 
Yeah. Oh, excellent. Yeah. No, I, that's I, the chosen. I'll just say for those listening, it's magnificent, and I would highly recommend it. Absolutely. It's not. Um, it and it's it's not something that, you know, I see testimonies of people who aren't necessarily considering of themselves to be religious. It's just good filmmaking, and it's a great story. They weave mm -hmm. everything together. It is excellent, and these. The Shepherd and Messenger, it's a little more compact in that what they're trying to tell. But again, they bring in the human element to these stories that you can just read on a page and go, eh, I know the story. But it really brings in a lot of the human humanality of yeah. the characters. No, very, very well said. Uh, and I'll, um, I'll leapfrog off of that on my probably if I had to... I don't think I would rank it, but if I had to call it my number five favorite Christmas film, it's also a biblical connected film. And that's the 1959 Ben-Hur. Hmm. Okay. With a, which is arguably maybe not a Christmas film, but because it starts with the birth of Jesus. It does, yeah. I guess I, I count it as a Christmas film. Though sometimes I watch it at Easter because it's also a good Easter thing. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. it definitely has a lot of those. Maybe a better Easter film than a Christmas film. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But it is one of my favorites. Big historical epic. Um, I love those kind of films. And I love this incredible story of a man whose life is linked with that of Jesus. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And there have been other versions because the... Um, the book, which came out in the 1880s, was extremely popular. So it's been adapted to film at least five times. Right. But for me, the 1959 version is arguably the best. It's a great performances and great set pieces. And those listening who may not be familiar with this film, there is a chariot race sequence in here, which is arguably one of the best scenes ever filmed. Especially um, for that time period, what they were able to do with it yes. is—it is amazing, incredible. And uh, Charlton Heston and a, and a great cast mm -hmm. of wonderful actors, and um, really one of the great epic films of that time period. That is really, as far as faith-based films are concerned, in terms of the fifties, faith-based films. It's dinner and the Ten Commandments are really the top tier of what they did at that time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yep. So that's kind of my number five if I had to rank it. Okay. So what is your number four? And I say this very loosely, of course. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't necessarily Unless you rank... have more yeah, than well, five. Four. Unless you have more than five. I like to probably come up with more. But um, kind okay. of if we're, we're kind of talking about ones that aren't necessarily in the because I already talked about a lot of the ones that I mm -hmm. really enjoy watching always at the time period but I'm yeah. talking about the other ones that I've seen that I think are still good films even though I don't necessarily watch them every year um another one I would say if I'm gonna think about um a little bit of a different direction from a epic classic I'll go with something a little bit more comedy here to kind of 
juxtaposition off there, uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Yes. Oh, I love that film. Oh, I love it. So I'm a little, I didn't come across it until not too long ago, as I was kind of late to the party Me on too. that one a little bit, but it's still, it, it's got a lot of things in it that I said, so that's where that reference comes from, or, you mm -hmm. know, it's so much yeah. of it that gets quoted in other things and kind of played off of and of an enjoyable film to watch. Absolutely. And anyone who's ever had a big family Christmas gathering is going to understand a lot of the humor. You know? mm -hmm. like just having the fun with just the the nature of, of Christmas family togetherness. And some hilarious moments with um, mm -hmm. really just classic humor that has become iconic with some great lines and some great slight gags and just just such a fun deal. It really is. Absolutely. So that's a, that's an excellent choice. Um, with a great cast, too. A wonderful cast. Mm -hmm. So my number four, I guess I'd call it, uh, is one that you mentioned, but I'm going to combine them just for the sake of argument. It's the original How the Grinch Stole Christmas, Mm -hmm. And the original Charlie Brown Christmas special, mm -hmm. uh, and both of which I want we watch every year. Both of which are, even though they came out, you know, sixty years ago, have not lost any of their importance, and have not lost any of their charm. And I think that, you know, now the Grinch Stole Christmas, of course. Animated by Chuck Jones, who did all the Looney Tunes, mm -hmm. with um, just a wonderful message, great music, and just great moments that we all know and love. Mm -hmm. And really about what Christmas is really all about when all is said and done. And even if you take away the things we look forward to the most, there's still joy to be found. Absolutely. In the Christmas season. And um, that's a wonderful one. And then Charlie Brown Christmas. Yet again, same thing. Iconic music. Iconic lines that we can all quote. A wonderful message about what it all means at the heart of it. And of course, we look forward to it at the year. We had some favorite moments. That make us laugh. Make us cry. Make us think. Uh, which is absolutely brilliant. Mm -hmm. And now that we've had at least, you could argue, three generations of have grown up watching these these cartoons. Mm -hmm. It's become a family tradition in many ways. Absolutely. In many families, we always try to watch these every year. Yeah. And the Grinch, how the Grinch stole Christmas, that, like, that one has gone through multiple iterations. And I've yeah. seen a you have kind of the more contemporary versions of it but just nothing quite gets the nostalgia feel of watching yeah, that original that's very true and i think a lot of the others are as as good as they might be maybe they stretch the story a bit longer than it was intended mm, but then you're true. making a half hour long cartoon short you can very concisely tell a story whereas if you're stretching it out to two hours, you have to add a lot in there. It yeah. may take away from the message. 
Yeah. I did watch the, there, I can't remember what year it was, it came out, but it was the most recent animated Grinch. That one was the next best, closest one that I've seen to okay, still the maintain the Yeah. Uh, yes. I watched that one a couple of years ago and that one was like, okay, it, it still feels like it's long, but they add in a lot more characters to the story. So it kind of, that helps fill in the time where you're following these other characters as well as the Grinch it's himself. So that was kind of, the, that would, I would call that one kind of like my next best as mm -hmm. far as if there is another one that I would throw in there to say, okay, this is another Grinch story. That's also good. Oh, yeah, no. Excellent choice. Um, so then let's go to what is your, yet again, I say this loosely, number three. So loosely number three, um, I think I will go with um, one that wasn't necessarily a classic in my household, but you cannot help but come across it in, you know, every day or every day in the holiday season references it's mm -hmm. the original christmas story yes yes um i assume you mean the uh, 1983 film correct yes oh yeah oh yeah yeah that one i i should have mentioned that up top in my like runners up i love this film um we quote this film all the time at home uh, and I think it part reminds of it that's all of our childhoods in a way. I'll say there are certain aspects you can always kind of pick up on. It's like, okay, I, I, I emphasize or empathize with that concept or, oh, I've had something similar happen to me. Indeed. And it's wonderful, you know, film with um, very iconic um, ideas in it. It's a wonderful just emotion and humor and just really is the ultimate like family film because when you watch it or when I watch it I think everybody thinks of their dad when they watch the dad in the movie certain aspects yeah you can definitely yeah. pick up certain of it and even with and I was pleasantly surprised the sequel to this film that talks mm. about an, an adult version of Ralphie. That one was actually still, I consider that one very good as well. Mm -hmm. And of course, the time that a sequel still kind of catches yeah. some of the essence and spirit of what the original was. Yeah. And it's just iconic in so many ways. Um, a triple dog dare you, a bunny suit, those kind mm -hmm. of things are just yeah. Which is so brilliant. Oh. Mm -hmm. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Yeah. yeah. Now, my number three, so my top three are kind of a toss-up. I could put them in any order. So I'll just say for number three, there's another one you already mentioned, and that's A Muppet Christmas Carol. Yes. Which I think I agree with you, is even though it starts in Muppets, it's probably the best adaptation of a Christmas Carol. Absolutely. Which I actually read for the first time last year. Oh, really? Okay. Yep. And uh, just wonderful how the Muppets really add to it and also the fact that they use so much of the actual language as written in the book. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, the actual quoting it, having Gonzo as Charles Dickens is a brilliant idea. Absolutely. Because then you're getting this wonderful narration. But of course, Michael Caine, Michael Caine mm -hmm. acts his butt off in this movie. And being Even able though to he's working do... with Muppets, he's acting like he's with other people. Yeah, and, and that's the that's what sells both sides of it because it could come off as super silly with if you have just it all muppified mm -hmm. and then it would be too serious and too grim if it was all played to the seriousness but it was that wonderful blend where you have just enough of the human characters being realistic and serious and then you have all the Muppets doing their thing, but enough of the Muppets also play things a little bit seriously. Yeah. It's 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 a amazing blend. It is, and Michael Caine deserves every praise in the world he gets mm -hmm. for what he was doing here. And the emotion is completely believable. The Absolutely. idea of even though they're Muppets, you really as they do so well in all the Muppet movies. You believe in them as characters, and there's a magic to the movie. Um, also, what's very interesting to me, and and this is um a little detail. Now, if you go to Disney Plus, the version that you will find is missing a song. Ah, uh, yes, but that in the extras, cool. they added mm -hmm. back in. There is now a director's cut in the extras. That is the entire movie with the song added. Yes. And it might be one of the saddest songs a Muppet film has ever had. I, I would agree. It, it, but it's a with dirt. it, it makes the last song pay off even more emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Which is, the song is called The Love Is Gone, mm -hmm. which is when Scrooge is too addicted to his um, concern for money to care about his girlfriend. And then later at the end of the movie, they all sing The Love Is Found. Yep. Or The Love We Found, which is the idea of what it means to love. And that love requires work. Mm -hmm. and particularly you know, at Christmas time, the idea of, of showing that love that Jesus talks about. Mm -hmm. Showing that love of the Christmas season. Well, not just at Christmas, but all the time, but particularly in this season to remember the idea of goodwill toward me kind of thing. Absolutely. Uh, which, and, and, and great songs, of course. Wonderful musical score in, in this movie. Some hilarious moments and some very serious moments, too. Mm -hmm. And even very dark moments in the uh, the Ghost of Christmas Future. I'll say that was always a part um, when I was young, I would always walk out of the room when that part of the film was because it was too scary for me when I was young. Um, and yeah. and even like as I got older, it was like one of those like I just got into the habit of I don't want to watch it. Mm -hmm. um, but it's definitely it is a it's a very powerful, powerful it's, scene. It's powerful amazing sequence. what a movie storing a bunch of Muppets can really make you feel. Absolutely. The, um, but puppetry, of course, is absolutely brilliant. Mm -hmm. And the use of visual effects is extraordinary. And as I said, 
the way it captures the essence of the book mm-hmm. is extraordinary, and I would never have imagined that. But yeah, Muppet Christmas Carol is a classic for a reason, and it's definitely one that I have to watch every year because it does bring me such joy and such emotional chaos. Mm-hmm. So that would be my number three if I had to rank them. Okay. So what is your number? Did we do your number three? I believe so. I think we're okay. so we're technically on my number two. So what's your um, quote unquote number two? Quote unquote number two, um, kind of outside of, I would say because yeah, Muppet Christmas Carol could go kind of in there anywhere potentially number one um but i will just for the idea of giving a more variety i'll throw in another a different one in there um one that has a so this is kind of going in a little bit of a different direction than um than what we've talked about so far but this is a animated film rise of the guardian oh yes 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 it focuses in on the story of jack frost um it's just it's a different film um, it's got a little bit of a different focus. It's got all kind of the classic um, mystical characters all thrown in there, but it's focused in on that kind of belief and Christmas spirit, which you yeah. know is a little bit of a departure from what we've been talking about previously, but it is still a good story. It's got a nice arc to the characters mm-hmm. involved. That's an excellent choice. I have to go back and rewatch that because I've only seen it the one time that I do recall liking it a lot. I would say it's been it's been a little while for me, but again, thinking back through Christmas films that I've seen that I really enjoyed, that was one that I was like, okay, I wasn't sure what to expect out of it. But again, yeah. it's similar to like the, the Santa Claus films, which yeah. you know we do watch every year. It's just it's got that similar childhood joy. You know, the and an idea, idea of the season of Christmas would not exist if there were not people to believe in it. Kind of idea. Mm-hmm. Well, that's an excellent choice. Um, gosh, I have to go back and rewatch it now that you mentioned it. Because I did enjoy it quite a bit. Um, so my number two is, yet again, kind of like Ben Hur in the sense of... Is it a Christmas film? Is it not? I think it is. It's kind of a holiday season film. And that, of course, is The Nightmare Before Christmas. Ah, yes. Yeah, directed by oh, Henry okay. Selick, based on Tim Burton's imagination. Mm-hmm. I know of it. I've not seen the whole thing. But yes, it is one that's very familiar. Yes, and uh, wonderful um, music and story. And it works as a Halloween film and as a Christmas film. Mm-hmm. And the it's just brilliant because it's so magical. It's so otherworldly. It really takes you to this this world of to quote Willy Wonka, pure imagination. Mm-hmm. And the idea Absolutely. of, of course, what's this has now become an iconic Christmas song. Yes. Um, and uh, the just it's just fun, and it's just artistic achievement and I watched it on December 1st to begin the holiday season. Ah, nice. Because it kind of works as a 
You could watch it at Halloween. You can mm -hmm. watch it at Thanksgiving. You can watch it at Christmas. So uh, a wonderfully imaginative film. Great music, and it's become iconic, the visuals. One thing I noticed at Halloween is everywhere I went, there was Jack Skellington figures for Halloween. Mm. On people's lawns, on people's houses. And I know that even at Christmas, some people like the um, using the Christmas elements of the movie as their decorations. Right. It's a it's a universal. It can just stay up and it evolves with the season. Exactly. It and I absolutely love it. And I would say uh get, give it a get give it a watch, I would say. Um yeah. but every year I have to watch it at Christmas. It just is it's so iconically part of my Christmas uh tradition. So okay. um that sort of brings us to the end of our, our list, but now we get to arguably the number one, and yet again, these are not in any particular order. Uh, but are there any like honorable mentions you want to say before we get to our top? So before we get to our top ones, uh, so one that I didn't feel, it's one that I really do enjoy, but I didn't feel quite right putting it in uh, my top five because it's one that just came out this year, actually. Mm. Okay. Um, if you are a fan of musicals and kind of that more lighthearted, fun take on things, um, Journey to Bethlehem is yes, one. I've heard of it. I've not seen it. Yeah, it came out back in November, uh, beginning yeah, of November. I remember, it, yeah. It is technically still in theaters right now as of the time that we're recording this, but it is kind of dwindling out. And right now it is available for digital uh, consumption so you can rent or buy it on any of the major platforms for streaming um, or as far as video rentals that are digital but it's just again it's a musical take on the nativity story mm -hmm. and it has in actually a couple elements that make it serious but then you have um, they feature the, the wise men in it pretty heavily and they're kind of the comic relief for the story. Interesting choice. And, you have, and then you have Herod, who kind of is your antagonist and a yeah. little bit your bad guy. And there's a member of his family that actually has some historical significance, which I found very appealing to where Ooh. it's a story. It introduces one of his sons. Oh, uh, yes. Um, his sons. Oh, yes. <laughs> which actually has some historical significance in that we know historically he does kill one of his sons. Yeah. And it gives a plausible, deniable reason as to why he would want to kill the yeah. son. Yeah, Herod is, so um, historically speaking, Herod the Great is a very fascinatingly twisted character. Yes, the, the entire Herod family has a very, uh, very interesting history. Um, one of my favorite books, The Sins of Herod, um, mm. focuses in on Herod Antipas and Herod Agrippa and kind yeah. of a historical fiction of their stories um yeah yeah this this story people that are strict um you know the the wise men weren't at jesus's birth yeah. it kind of plays with that a little bit on this one yeah. but it, for the story it works and there's a yeah. lot of really fun songs there's some really intense serious songs that are a lot of fun um it actually has some moments where it gets a little intense 
Yeah. Um, but then also it's lighthearted and fun, like you would expect a musical to be. So I would, if you enjoy that kind of that musical feel, I would encourage you to check it out um, and just see what you think. I think it's it's a fun, different take on the story that I've not seen so far. No, that, that's that's excellent. Um, excellent. I, one runner-up I would add to me is, is definitely... Um, as you mentioned already, the, the original Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. You know, is always one that, that I enjoy. Um, I saw the second one once, and I haven't seen any of the others. Okay, so they really, they only did one other one, and it was a third one that uh, focused in on, that introduces uh, Jack Frost yeah. into it, done by Martin Short, and it, it was okay, but it doesn't yeah. didn't tick it doesn't the have the high enough to yeah, it didn't take the bar high enough to get into the regular rotation. So we just stop at one and two. Yeah. And then the also Home Alone one and two, as you mentioned, those are definitely fun to, mm-hmm. to, uh, to watch at this time of year. And um, really, really wonderful. Um, so as you're our guest, I will let you take the number one to begin, to begin while you're with you. Okay. Um, so probably the only other thing that I, I just realized I hadn't mentioned, a, okay. if we're talking about TV series and you want to see one that's based kind of in the Christmas season, is uh, Hawkeye, which is yes. the Marvel series. Yes. In fact, I was, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I did mention TV. So that's Hawkeye, biggest... even though it came out in July, mm-hmm. it's definitely a good Christmas uh, show. Yeah, no, that that's uh, it's an excellent choice. I would also mention, since since I forgot to mention TV, there are some episodes. I've been watching two shows recently that had some excellent Christmas episodes. Community has some great Christmas episodes. Mm. Okay. A sitcom Community, maybe a little mm-hmm. irreverent, I would say. So maybe not if you if it's you're not into the irreverent part of Christmas. But the other one is that the West Wing. Oh really? Has okay. some incredible episodes set at Christmas. Particularly in like the first four seasons, they're incredible episodes. That really get into the heart of Christmas without being overtly religious, but they are very, very uplifting episodes. Okay. Um, NCIS has some nice focused episodes as well. Okay, so what is your number one film, if you had to pick a number? So, I'm going to put this one at number one because there's also a little bit of a personal history with this Mm. one. Uh, This was a film that um, I was in a theatrical version of in high school. Mm -hmm. And that was It's a Wonderful Life. Well, guess what? We have the same number one. Okay, I was going to say, we haven't mentioned it yet, so yes. I was wondering... If one of the greatest it. Christmas movies ever. Yes. So you were in a production of it. Now, who did you play? I was. Yes, I was uh, Mrs. Martini in the film. Oh, they, okay. My... Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Oh, yes. Awesome. It was my, uh, it was my first production with this particular group. Um, so it was, I hadn't quite built up yet. So, uh, that was a smaller part in that particular film, but it always, 
when I think of that film, I think of that production and the time I spent uh, in that group. So it has a little bit of an extra special uh, yeah. place in my heart for sure. Besides yeah, being mean, an, an amazing story. Uh, if you guys are listening, want to see me ugly cry, watch me when I watch this movie. Oh. I ball yeah, like a baby is. at the time of this movie, at the end of this movie, every time. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I think is so brilliant about it is a lot of people remember the last like half hour of the movie. But everything that happens before that is equally good. Absolutely. And in fact, you can't really understand that last bit without seeing the first. Mm-hmm. The idea that you have to know why he would get to this point in his life. Mm-hmm. And I recently watched a great video by Empire of the Mind about why this movie is so brilliant in the sense of most movies, a character would go out and seek their dream and that would be their happily ever after. George Bailey, throughout the entire film, played by the great Jimmy Stewart, mm-hmm. is always trying to leave to go and do some big adventure. But he keeps getting pulled back home. And then at the end, he finally realizes it was all there in front of me to begin with. That I don't need to go on these great adventures to feel like I've done something with my life. And that's really the message of it, is the good that he does. Uh, He didn't really see that he was making something out of his life. He he was thinking of going off and doing some of these world travel the world. Um, to To make himself like, it's almost like he thought that by doing that, that would make something out of him. Mm-hmm. But the whole time, what made him who he was was the good things he did right under his nose. And I think that's why the universality of it that so many of us feel that way, where we're like, we feel like we're stuck. You know, I want to go off and do all this. Not not all of us get the chance to go off and do all these amazing things outside of our general circle, but appreciating what it is that we do when we are in what we consider stuck. Yeah. The stuck and time. So that we can all say it is a wonderful way. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, I have not necessarily direct adaptations, but the whole, I, the, the plot line of mm-hmm. It's a Wonderful Life yeah. gets, gets brought up in so many different mm-hmm. types of films since then that kind of shows the universality and the brilliance of that story. That yeah, endure um, the concept. Yeah, and of course, a brilliant cast. Jimmy Stewart, of course, extraordinary in this. Mm-hmm. Donna Reed as his, as his wife. Um, mm-hmm. You have characters like Thomas Mitchell as the uncle. You have, of course, um, Lionel Barrymore as yep. the evil Mr. Potter, one of the great movie villains. Yes. Um, and then, of course, you have some just wonderful moments and messages that have become iconic and what a movie because you know when it came out uh, in 1948 i think was the year it was 46 or 48 something like that um it didn't didn't do well but it didn't do well at the box office it got decent reviews it did get nominated for the big Oscars, but it didn't do 
the reviews were eh, and, and it hardly made me money. Well, over the years, they started showing it on TV. Mm-hmm. Like every year. And then over time, it became the beloved holiday classic that people look forward to every year and it's become iconic. And I think that the structure of it is so brilliant. Mm-hmm. The idea of these angels looking down and going, there's this guy, he's having, he's really discouraged. But let's show you why he's discouraged. Right. And then jump to the part where Clarence comes down and changes the world into what George Daly says, I wish I were never born. Mm-hmm. And we get this dark, nasty view of the world and the, just the brilliance of of a, a man's forgive the expression emotional constipation right yeah Where that's a good word for yeah, it somebody has to knock some sense into it mm-hmm. and Clarence does and the movie ends on such a beautiful note and to those listening who don't know the ending I'm going to get into a bit of spoilers for the next minute <laughs> So you've been warned, but mm-hmm. the idea that he helps all the other people in the town and he loses this money that his uncle misplaces the money, and of course Mr. Potter won't reveal that he has it. But George mm-hmm. Bailey is basically on his way to going to be arrested. Well, then everybody shows up and says, you've given so much to us, we're going to give some back to you. Mm-hmm. And it ending really with the message of no man is a failure who has friends. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I'm trying not to cry while saying that line. <laughs> but it is one of the most beautiful messages that I think any film has ever given. And you know, the the song that they use at the end for all things time. Mm-hmm. Translated into more modern English, it basically means for old time's sake. Yep. So that the idea of everything you need sometimes is right there in front of you. And sometimes you just have to remember for old time's sake. So what a brilliant film. Mm-hmm. What a classic with arguably one of the most powerful endings of any movie. Absolutely. I think I've ever seen. So we were on the same page there. Very good. Do you have anything to add about It's a Wonderful Life as we conclude? Oh, I think you you covered a lot of it. And I think just once again, so I can think of multiple iterations of the story that I've mm-hmm. seen done because it is such a inspiring story. And it is... Uh, a testament to the fact that I think it might have been a little bit above its time where people didn't realize it's kind of a, little, a little synonymous with the story that we didn't realize this was a story that we needed mm-hmm. until we had some time to look back on it and go, okay, no, this is a story that this world needs. And that has then become this classic. We, they kept showing it on TV. They, people started realizing, oh, wow. This is much more powerful and impactful than was originally thought when it was first released. Um, and, you know, we didn't realize what we had 
until we looked back on it, similar to what George Bailey had to do with his life. Very good point. And and I gotta say, just the Jimmy Stewart is one of the greatest actors we've ever seen. His ability to play these kind of characters that are really have a lot of layers to these characters. Yeah, and I yes, think he, this yes, was... he can be folksy and naive, mm-hmm. but he can also play dark really well. And I think was this not the film that he did? After he had done his uh, army tours, I believe so. Remember, yes. yeah. So he's coming oh, yes. back, and, yes. And he's he's dealing with his own trauma from being in war in those situations. So he was able to draw on yeah. some of that as and well in his performances. That scene when he prays in the war in the end. Mm-hmm. Apparently, the tears were real. Wow. Yeah. It it the emotion of, of that time period it, it's applicable to all of us no matter what time we live. Particularly to that time of these guys coming back from the war damaged. Mm-hmm. And um but it 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 really is amazing how the sign of a true masterpiece, I think is that it never loses its appeal. And it never becomes outdated. It lasts forever. Absolutely. You know, you can... You can tell the time in which it was done just based on, you know, it was originally done in black and white, you know, and, you know, they don't use all these special effects and everything. But it's the enduring story and the enduring portrayal of the characters and the enduring character development and the character just interactions that make it just a and, timeless uh, great piece of art and not only is it dramatic it's hilarious it's absolutely a hilarious oh yeah movie. absolutely some of the jokes and gags in here are just so funny mm-hmm. and so not to be thought of as this dour experience it's actually you laugh you cry you you rejoice it's all in this one package. Mm-hmm. And to me, that is why it is for me. And it seems for you, our favorite Christmas film. Absolutely. So thank you, Megs, for joining us. Do you have any final Christmas words for us? Oh, just the the idea of not to miss out on the joy and the fun of just gathering around and watching a fun film no matter if it's one that's associated with christmas or not just this time is to me so synonymous with being able to just gather around with family and watch something fun because so many of us are off during this time of year yeah so take that opportunity to make those memories with your family yeah, I, I absolutely agree that Christmas really is that time of gathering together for food and for presents. But to gather together to watch a movie together, particularly these movies that have such the heart of Christmas, it's really a wonderful thing to do at Christmas time and at the holidays. I see we have a kitty in dating. Yes, he is. I had a I have a uh, 
I'm sorry, the, there we go. I have a uh, curtain set up for lighting purposes, and then he's deciding that the curtain should get played with. So, no, if you're my cat does the same thing. <laughs> he's still a kitten, too, so they're under yeah. a year old. So Our cat comes in and takes over my bed. So, mm. she's not in yep. here right now, but she sometimes does. Anyhow, but uh, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Christmas is a time to remember Jesus, to remember the, the message he taught. Mm-hmm. It's also a time to family. It's also a time to, to even beyond religion, it's a time to think about doing good. It's a time to remind ourselves of what really matters. And it's a time to gather with family and make these precious memories. Absolutely. And this is how I think movies are so much more than just entertainment. They have meaning. They have value. Finia, Megs, I cannot thank you enough for joining us today. And (laughs) we have a very naughty kitty in the book. Yes, I will. Uh, I will have to deal with that later. It's all good. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. I certainly hope you have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Absolutely. You as well. Thank you again for having me. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. My name is Brendan Moore. That noisy ring is my ventilator. Thank you for tuning in to this Christmas episode of The Guest Awakens. Presented by Page Turners, they were not my Star Wars podcast. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, and may the Force be with you.